Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. As we head into our third year of the COVID pandemic, I thought it's time to check in on what we know about the impact it's had on pregnancy and birth. I also want to know the latest research when it comes to things like the impact the virus has on mums and babies and what happens if either are infected when the other is not. Hannah Darlin is a professor of midwifery at Western Sydney University. She's been researching the impact of the coronavirus in a study called Birth in the Time of COVID-19. Hi, Hannah. How are you? Hello, Siobhan. Very nice to be back with you in 2022. Yes. Uh, I wonder when you started this uh, research whether you thought you'd still be doing it now. I did not. And um, I, I signed up for much more than I bargained for, but um, it, fascinating data we now have. And, you know, this is unlikely to be our last pandemic, sadly, and we really need to know what works well and make sure we do even better next time. Right, so let's let's go um, to where we are at at the moment. Are we in a better place today than when we were at the beginning of the pandemic when it comes to understanding what this virus has done to pregnancy and birth? We're in so much a so much better place. Uh, what we had at the beginning was we had no effective vaccine. We now have a very effective vaccine, and we have you know hundreds of thousands of women who have had the vaccine, and we now have data around that that safety. So that's that's the most important thing. The second thing is that the Omicron variant that we're dealing with now is definitely a lot milder, and we're seeing a lot very of a lot less very sick people compared to what we were seeing when we had the Delta variant. We're also understanding how amazing the pregnant body is. Um, not that that's a surprise or new, but we're knowing that, you know, babies inside their mum's bellies are really very well protected. As long as the mum doesn't get really sick and need ventilation or, you know, have the more critical end of the spectrum, we know that that, that baby is well protected. We know that the mum passes antibodies through to the baby. And we know that keeping mums and babies together in the postnatal period, regardless of whether COVID is there or not, is also proving to be hugely beneficial. Because at the beginning, there were stories and rumours about mothers being separated from their children. Um, Did that actually happen? That sounds devastating. It actually did happen. And it also is still in some countries happening, sadly, where there are those sort of sort of overreactions and very strong medical dominance that will enable things to happen without necessarily the evidence behind it. We also had, you know, in, in the beginning of the pandemic and in some countries as well, partners not being allowed in as well. And that was also incredibly distressing. But we've learned a lot. We've, we've also learned that the babies generally get a very mild um, disease if, if they get it. We also know the benefits of breastfeeding your baby and passing those antibodies across to your baby far outweigh the harms. And we know that, of course, the benefits of mums and babies being kept together have significant important benefits uh, that we must always, you know, make sure happens. All right. Now, I am not the 
greatest medical mind by any stretch. So could we go through a few scenarios based on what you just mentioned there, just to clarify. So if a mother has been diagnosed with COVID and she has a newborn, they're not separated. You're not told to be apart from your baby, provided the mother is well enough to look after the baby. Is it advisable that she continues to breastfeed if that's what she's already doing? Definitely. Um, So we would recommend probably uh, a good advice is to to wear a mask, wash your hands, you know, very frequently and breastfeeding definitely is recommended. If the mother's well enough, if the mother's not well enough, then of course there are options such as expressing that breast milk and also making sure that the baby um, is able to get it so that we are passing through those antibodies. So we get antibodies from the vaccination and we also get antibodies from the disease and we know that that's really important for giving a baby protection. So with regards to the vaccination, um, if you were to be vaccinated whilst pregnant, last I heard it was, um, I think, was it in the third trimester? They recommend? Yeah, by 28 weeks, ideally. Yeah, so if you get the vaccination by 28 weeks, is the assumption that your baby will get those antibodies through the placenta? Yes. So we know that the antibodies pass through to pass through the cord to the baby from the mother. Uh, so that's really, really good news. And it gives the baby some protection. We also know that women who have the vaccine now, we've got very clear data that's come out very recently from, in fact, Scotland to show that of all the women who are very, very sick and in intensive care needing ventilation, 98% of those women have not been vaccinated. So it's really telling us that vaccination is a big protector against severe disease. And if you get severe disease, the chance of your baby having to be delivered early and then a long recovery and separation from your baby is so much higher. Do we know much about the impact of COVID on pregnant women? You mentioned that the babies in utero are pretty well protected Unfortunately for mums when they carry, a lot of our resilience, health resilience can go into protecting our babies and not leave much for the women themselves. Do we have any sense of how that has been um, impacting women carrying their babies? Yes. So, look, you know, the good news, I guess, though not for men, is that women tend to get less severe disease than men. So there's definitely an element that, that women have a little bit more protection Older women tend to get worse severe disease than younger women. So the younger you are in getting COVID and being female has a protection. Having a background of other comorbidities such as high blood pressure, diabetes, being very overweight and being an older mother, they they seem to be the biggest predictors of more severe disease. But having said that, we've seen some very young women as well, really, really, really very, very ill. What what is good is that the Omicron variant is affecting people less severely than the Delta, and that's also the same case with pregnant women. However, if you compare a pregnant woman and a non-pregnant woman of the same sort of age, you you are getting uh, women who are pregnant getting more of getting sicker comparatively for that comparison um, because their bodies are working very hard making a baby and they also are more immune suppressed so that you don't reject your baby when you're pregnant so there's a few other factors that actually make pregnancy quite a vulnerable 
time. But it's not to scare women. We're in a good place. We have a very effective vaccination. We luckily have a, a milder variant that is dominating at the moment. So that's the good news. However, we should never let down our guard because pregnant women can get very sick. We've been talking a lot about the physical aspects of this pandemic, but of course there have been social and emotional impacts as well. Has your study looked at what that has meant for women? Absolutely. In fact, that's one of the major focuses of our study. So we're really interested in in both objective and subjective stress. So the things happening to you, like you losing your job and being financially affected and, you know, the, the things that, you know, sometimes we're not in control of that impact us. And then subjective stress, which is how do you see that event? How do you respond to that event? What is your response to what is going on during COVID? So we've developed a a very um, key scoring system where we can look at women who are pregnant and look at what their stress was at certain times during their gestation. So how many weeks they were, how stressed they were. And then we are now following those women up at two months, six months, 12 months, and we're now just about to launch a 24-month survey. And in particular, the latest surveys are focusing in a lot more around child development, temperament. So how is that child developing? Is the stress that a mother experienced during her pregnancy having an impact on that? But even more interesting, and that's the data that we're just now in the process of publishing, what are the protective factors? So one of the things that despite this very high level of stress seem to modify uh, that stress and therefore moderate what we're seeing in child outcomes. And that's a very exciting part. Look, we can't avoid we can't avoid the stress. We can't avoid the socioeconomic situation we're in or the, the part of the country that we live in, but things like support, things like your model of care providing you with greater continuity and reassurance during your pregnancy, um, there are other things that can have an impact on whether or not that is more significant um, an impact on your child. You mentioned there um, certain periods of that pregnancy and afterwards where there might be higher levels of stress. Have you got a sense of the mental health of mothers. I remember someone saying to me um, when she was pregnant during one of the lockdowns that she found it incredibly hard to get really good uh, psychiatric support. She'd had depression and other issues prior to being pregnant and she just said it was the the line waiting to get in to see someone was long and they didn't feel like they had the time with the professional that they needed. Obviously everyone every service has been impacted by this. Have you seen anything in that area? Definitely. So we have a lot of questions on mental health and there's no doubt that depression and anxiety have gone up. They've, they've gone up quite significantly in some groups extremely significantly. And we also know our mental health care providers are incredibly stressed under the, the situation that, that they're experiencing. But we also am seeing some really interesting thing like, you know, there are certain people that have much more resilient personalities. So, you know, one of the things we ask women is, you know, if things get messy and out of place or unexpected things happen to you, what is your general response? And we can start to get an idea of, you know, whether or not the way that you look at life, so that kind of glass half full 
mentality is protective around the way that you respond to things like like a pandemic. But the other thing is the supports women bring around themselves. So how do they tap into their friends and their family and their social media, et cetera? But let's look at the other side of that. If, if all of your family is, is stuck over in WA and you've not been able to access them, if your grandparents have not been around that baby since it was born, if you are from a non-English speaking background and all of your family is overseas, or if you live in a household where domestic violence is a reality and now you're locked up with your perpetrator, you can see that you know there are groups in our society that are really, really significantly impacted more so than others that have access to some of those support systems. You mentioned that you've started with women from the beginning and you're following them up as they go. And this is an ongoing study. But do you still, are you starting with women that are, for, for example, pregnant now? Or yes. do you need more participants? And who, who do you need? Yes, we're, we're, we're now running, when the Omicron wave started in, in June last year, we, we redid the survey and sent that out and we're continuing that. So we definitely need more participants. We'd really love anyone who's had a baby since, you know, May, June last year or currently pregnant. So we're after those two kind of groups of people, but we'd really love some more currently pregnant women as well so that we can be doing this longitudinal study. And we'd love the women to sign up to agree to follow on surveys around uh, child development and their mental health because what we can get from this is really good ideas about how we can work better as health providers, provide better structures and systems, also what's coming down the track. You know, we're going to need a lot more mental health workers and support. What's coming down the track for child development that we're going to need more you know, support. I mean, I can tell you that we're seeing a lot more impact in New South Wales and Victoria, for example, because we had a much greater incidence of Omicron or, or of COVID and also much more severe lockdowns. And nobody in the world's had a more severe lockdown than Victoria. And I'm not making any political comment on that because, you know, necessary steps were taken. But you know, what are, what's the impact of that now on psychological health and what's the impact on these children who have virtually been housebound, who have just seen a world full of masked strangers? How is their language developing? How is their attitude and their social connections developing? And what if you've got a super anxious mum who's now very, very petrified of even going out of the house and so you have none of that? happening. Um, so we really do want to follow that up. We want to look at the two years. We want to look at 2020 and 2021 and now 2022 and see has there been changes? Are certain things having an impact and other things are not? Because ideally, if we ever do have another pandemic or this continues for a while, we need to urgently put into place things that work well and stop doing the things that are causing harm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, I'll get those links from you, Hannah. We'll put them in the notes of this episode. Thank you so much again for chatting with us about this. My pleasure. That's Hannah Darling. She's a professor of midwifery at the University of Western Sydney. Make sure you check out the links in the notes of this episode. And if you're interested, participate in the survey. I'm sure it won't take much of your time, but it will make a huge difference. 
I'm Siobhan Hunt. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us so we can reach and help even more parents. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, send your email to feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.